0: Good evening, and welcome to a special late-night edition of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Hyman. Hope everybody had a fantastic Wednesday. I know I did. I am elbow-deep in the middle of training for my new job. Um, Got a really big presentation coming up on Monday, so it's been it's been about two weeks of prepping for that, so um, it's been a good day. feel like I'm in a really good spot going into the next week. Got a long day tomorrow, but I uh, wanted to catch up on one podcast that I hadn't had a chance to record yet that was uh, based on an article I wrote probably two or three weeks ago called Helping Our Young People Find 100%. Uh, it was actually one of my more popular <clears throat> posts with regards to views, so... Um, I want to share an audio version about it just because there's some other things that I wanted to talk about. Like now I've had time to kind of think about the article itself and kind of think about the prop. I say a problem. One of the challenges we have in uh, coaching kids these days, um, and and it really just comes back to our kids don't understand what 100% is, like actual 100%. I think a lot of them have an idea of what they think 100% is, uh, but rarely do we find a kid that just out of the gate, like, he gives 100%. Um, we've got a couple guys in our baseball program right now that I can think of that, you know, from the, from the day they started as seventh graders, they've remained pretty committed to to that 100%. <clears throat> we've got a little guy who plays right field for us that just – Phenomenal kid. Like if he keeps going, he's going to be in a really good spot just because of the the amount of effort he puts into everything in daily life. He's he's one of the exceptions to of the rule, or sorry, he's one of the exceptions to the rule. Who he's constantly trying to find a new ceiling every time he's out there from an effort standpoint. So if that's not how you are, it's a good way to be. I know the amount of player like if you want to stand out, players. Um, that's a way to do it because in this era that we're in, whether it's in school, sports, uh, as you enter the workforce, college, you know, whatever, um, there's not enough like high energy, high intensity people out there. Um, what we found over the years is people just kinda young people in general, and it's our fault of society for allowing it. It kinda started back when i was playing uh you know in the early 2000s but you know society's kind of moved into this thing where we're all like herd mentality you know so as you look around and like if you got 30 guys out there and you got two dudes booking it at the front of the line you got two guys all the way at the back of the line everybody else kind of bunch up in the middle that's the herd mentality that um a lot of our young athletes are are uh going through so just a call out you know something to consider before getting to the meat and potatoes of this is if you want to set yourself ahead in life you got a really good opportunity to do it because the majority of people they're hanging out with the herd uh, you got far less people hanging out at the front of the pack today than you did 20 years ago 30 years ago 50 years ago so it's all there for the taking uh young people it really is um you work hard, give great effort, you're going to be ahead of, you know, back in the day that would that would have got you to the door, right? Um, But today that's like you're in the top 5%, top 2% if you're the guy constantly at the front of the herd versus there being, you know, the top 10% being up there. But anyways, so I'm going to take you back to when I got into coaching high school baseball about six years ago. Um, First time I ever stepped foot on a high school field, I kind of, had an idea of what I thought it was going to look like based on my experience in high school. Um, yeah, I played for Coach Gray, great coach, players coach, but you know he wasn't short for letting you know what he felt about things um, when you weren't giving good effort and, and stuff like that. So I kind of had this vision of like when I started coaching, uh, that's what it was going to look like. And uh, what I saw from like day one was nothing like what – I experienced. So it was, uh it honestly was disheartening in a lot of ways, um, but it was something that I remember thinking, like, I got to figure out a way to try to change this. Like, surely there's something we can do as coaches, parents, administrators, something to kind of change this. But whew, anyways, uh, before I get into that, you know, the, I try to preface a lot of the stuff I say on these podcasts with this, and I don't know if I've said this yet or not, but like, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not... I don't have a PhD in psychology or sports psychology. I'm not a doctor. I'm not any of these things. But at some point, I'm going to tell everybody the story of how I got to where I'm at. And it's truly a story of hard knocks. Um, it's a story of growing up on top of the world. find Then, through bad decisions, finding yourself at the, the lowest point you can get in life. And then this fight back to the top. Okay, And... You know, so all these things that I feel, the things I talk about, like, I feel like I've earned the right to talk about that stuff because I actually lived it. Like, I didn't, you know, go watch it in a movie somewhere or dream about it or, like, read about it. Like, the things that drive me as a today as a coach are a result of the hardships and trials that I've endured and, like, come out on the right end of. Um, and it's concerning to me because I don't know that our current generation of kids, the majority of them, I don't think they'd be able to overcome the same things I did. The same things a lot of you parents now that maybe listen to this, a lot of things you guys overcame. Um, you know, our kids don't understand like what it feels like to have, you know, two hundred fifty dollars in your checking account and you got nine hundred dollars worth of bills due on Friday, but you don't get paid till the following Friday. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't understand that. So like all the things that are, you know, hardships and trials and tribulations for for them right now. I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm just saying it's not. I worry about their ability to overcome stuff because of the way we lower the bar for them as a society. So, um, the next thing before i like dive deeper, um, I, I don't want to sit here and be a hypocrite with anything I'm about to say. Most of the people who, you know, I got some friends in my group chat kind of busting my chops right now about, you know, the podcast website, all that. And, that, and that's cool to each their own. Um, but part of the reason they do this because they remember what I was all about when I was younger, you know. So I, I don't want to sit here and be hypocritical um, because people that know me they know like they know my story. Most of them do. Um, they knew what I was all about in high school. I was okay with being one of the best on the field. Didn't work hard enough to be the best because I didn't care to be the best because it was too much work. Uh, I chose the late. I chose the party over the late night gym visit. Uh, I was the guy who waited till Coach Gray and the other coaches turned their head to take reps off, you know. I didn't use BP as an opportunity for me to get better as an outfielder because I felt like I was already a damn good outfielder and I, need, I didn't need to take life routes. Like, I was out there doing the same thing that I'm constantly harping on, like, three or four of our guys who try to do it at BP during BP every day. Like, I was doing the same thing. So that's why it kind of grinds my gears a little bit when I see them do it because I don't want to make the same mistakes I was making. Um But that's who I was. I was that guy. Um, And so as a result of that, you can probably guess what my coaches got, my teachers, my parents, like what all they what all of them got for me. They got a sub 2.0 GPA in high school. Uh, They got a guy um, who wasn't because he wasn't smart enough. It was just because he he didn't like doing homework and projects. I honestly can't remember. I, I can probably count on two hands the amount of projects I did in my life. Um, you know, my coaches, they got a guy who was pretty good when he was locked in, but I wasn't locked in enough. Wasn't present most of the time. Um, my parents got a kid who made life difficult. miss curfews, bad grades, disciplinary issues. You name it, they got it. Um, You know, Thinking back over my high school career, I was a pretty good baseball player. I mean, me and Coach Gray talk about that to this day. He's like, dude, if you just would have had, like, some of the drive of this player in our program or that player or whatever, like, you'd probably be doing something with the game. But, you know, I didn't have many options out after high school because, you know, number one, I had a 1.7 GPA. Couldn't pass the clearinghouse. So the only option I had was a uh, walk-on offer to Florence Arlington Tech. And truthfully, they probably didn't want me, but they would take anybody at the time because they knew, hey, if they kept 60 guys, only 40 would be left at the end of the spring – I mean, end of the fall.
1: And they were right because
0: I was there about two days before I quit um, f- the first time. But, you know, I think everybody who looked at me looked at me and said, hey, man, he's a hell of a talent when he's there, but he's not locked in enough. Uh, and if he won't take care of the little things in high school, there's no way in hell he's going to take care of the, the, the little things at college. Um you know, and as I look back at that now, I'm like, you know, and I look at our players and I'm like, dude, they don't understand why I'm so anal about a lot of these small things. Like, it's the little things, little things. guy. got come on to little things, little things. You know, just little things. Take a knee. Look, a, look look, a coach in their face when they're talking to you. Like, Don't be staring at the grass. Like, take it in. You know, just little stuff like that. The things that I didn't do, I want them to do it. I don't want them to make that the same mistakes. But, um, you know, my playing career really – died um the summer after I graduated and it was it was a theme that's relevant to the kids today. Um you know I tore partially tore my hamstring trying to stretch a double into a triple. I showed up. I was late. I didn't I didn't stretch. I wasn't prepared for the game. Third at bat of the game, a you know, ball in the right center field gap. I'm coming halfway in between first and second. I, I pull up. Hamstring sounds like Velcro. I fall out, laying down in between first and second base. I get tagged out. Um, and I still re- I still remember to this day, it was at South Lawrence. I was playing po- for post one, Coach Urquhart. I still remembered a kid walking up to me and tagging me. It was like, my bad, man. Like, it was almost like he felt sorry for me because, like, he knew, like, my career was over. And it wasn't over because I had a career-ending injury. The injury itself wasn't that bad, right? You know, anybody who's listened to this is probably think, well, what the hell, man, you just like, got like a really bad hamstring strain? Like, you didn't come back from that? Like, what's, what's the deal, man? Like, come on. You didn't die. You didn't lose a limb. I mean, surely you went to PT and then everything was fine. And, and that would be normal if you were dealing with a reasonable person. And this is the point I wanted to make about our young people today. Okay, so listen up, young people. um I went to three physical therapy sessions before it got too hard, okay. It got too hard, like that's that was the common theme for me. It got too hard um, that trickled into the fall at tech, okay, I went to two practices, then you know what they were doing got too hard um, so I dropped out of school uh quit the team, okay, made some really bad decisions for a year. Um came back to tech, this time with uh one of my old high school coaches, Coach Dill. Gave me a shot, him and Coach P Mac. Coach P Mac's still there. Um Yeah. I think I made it about a month and a half before that got too hard. So I quit. And then the last time that life got too hard, um the last time life got too hard, I almost gave up and quit on it too. Um now, yeah, if it weren't for me and my wife and my oldest son, I probably would have given up um, because that's just kind of, that was that was just my MO. Um, so when you look at the consistent theme for me, you look at my teens, you look at my early part of adulthood, regardless of what arena I was competing in, it got too hard. Life got too hard. And the reason it always got too hard was because my entire life I operated at about at about 65% of what my ability was and called it 100%. You know, and the the problem you run into when you live that way is eventually it's all going to come crashing down because everything's too hard. Okay, so every time it gets too hard, you're lowering your level of max effort. Eventually your max effort's like 2%. Okay? The problem with, you know, 2% is like it eventually it's basically like 0%. So that's what happened to me. And like honestly, that's what's happening to our kids today because society won't dig our heels in and say enough is enough. We gotta stop doing this to our kids. We gotta start forcing them to meet and work and operate at a hundred percent. You can't operate at hundred percent every day. Okay, it's impossible because the body's gonna fatigue, the mind's gonna fatigue, all that stuff's gonna happen. But like, I mean, we've got kids who don't even know what a hundred percent is. So that's gonna be the rest of the I mean, I'm kinda of talk about I'm gonna break this down into like a the I've now told you the problem. So we're gonna to try to work towards a solution and then I got a challenge for everybody who's listening. Cause we gotta fix this. So, you know, going back to my story, when you look at where the world was when I was, you know, goofing off and, you know, giving about two percent. <laughs> That wasn't the cool thing to do back then. Like people like kids my age, they still had jobs. Um, you know, it was still the cool thing to make good grades. It was still cool to not be a problem in the classroom or at the field and all that stuff. And the reason it wasn't cool is people didn't let you be a celebrity if you acted like that, right? Um, leaders at every level, they didn't move the goalposts for kids. Um, they demanded that young people operate at a certain standard, and if they didn't, they held them account- accountable, right? You know, you, you fast forward to today, and this was one of the most disappointing things when I got into coaching. Um, you know, I was a head coach of the B team for a couple years, and, you know, the norm there was like, you know, kid gets in trouble at school, got to be the teacher's fault. You know, I get these emails from parents sometimes. Uh my kid had three days of OSS. Okay, well he's got fifteen triangles. Like it's just that's that's my rule. That's uh, well actually that's Coach Gray's rule. Fifteen triangles, five or what what ten day ten for every day of OSS, whatever it was. Um and these parents literally arguing like, well, no, 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 it was the teacher's fault. I mean, this this literally still happens today, like just recently, like heard something very similar to this like teacher's fault. Then as a story like comes out from multiple angles. You realize, eh, maybe it wasn't just a teacher's fault. Maybe it was, you know. Anyways, um, get a speeding ticket. That officer must have been having a bad day. Coach punishes, punishes you. Oh, terrible coach. Um, There was a time when teachers could teach, coaches could coach, and parents would still parent. Somewhere along the way it became unacceptable for coaches and teachers to hold our kids accountable. That's what it comes down to, guys. Um, and parents holding your kids accountable. There's a lot of kids who run households today because parents want to be their friend instead of being their parent. Um, you know, somewhere in life, I, I, I don't know when this happened exactly, but it became unacceptable for you know us adults to pass lessons down to our children so they could use them to better their life. You know, better themselves for later in life. I can tell you the path we're heading down, it's, it's not sustainable because the majority of young people that we're sending out in the world, they're not equipped with the the life skills they need to make it if it's not handed to them. Um, and we're not doing a damn thing to help them raise the bar. There, as, a major, as a whole, there are certainly people out there. I, I think the coaches within our baseball program, we hold people accountable. We raise the bar for our kids every day. And as a result, we don't have a bunch of bad kids. We got good kids. We got, I tell people all the time, we got blue collar kids. Yeah, we never get the respect we deserve because people just say, oh, they're just South Florence. Well, they don't know what we have in our locker room at all levels of our program. Blue collar guys represent everything great about like the type of kid that we want for the most part. We got some knuckleheads, but we're working on them. Um, one of the things that I made a big point of and I make a big point of with our kids all the time is the the conversation, the tough conversation, right? Um, In my life, Kenny Gray was on the top end of people who could give you a really good tough conversation. Um, Like, he was a professional at the tough conversation. He did it respectfully, you know? But he didn't mince words, like... He wasn't going to tell you what you needed to hear, or what you wanted to hear. He was going to tell you what you needed to hear. Um, You know, and so knowing that, I come back and coach for the guy I played for. And, you know, I remember my first experience with this new age kid and the new way of doing things. He's like, here's me. You know, giving this kid a tough conversation, got a little animated, first time I ever did it. And uh, he kind of pulled me to the side, and he's like, "Hey, Hyman, um remember how I used to talk to you you can't you can't do that anymore, man. uh, you won't have a job, you know you gotta give them something positive. Are you serious? you gotta give them something positive like that's that's how we do. hey, man, I know you called your teacher a bunch of words that were four letters long and you know, you you have three days OSS for that, but, like, I can't discipline, discipline you for it and say things I really need to tell you because, like, how do you say something positive about that, you know? Um, and that wasn't the situation. I'm just being facetious here. But um, what I found out was he was right, though. Like, you can't, <laughs> you can't, you just can't do things the way you used to. And it's, it's. Not because it's not right or it's abusive or it's whatever. It's just because we've gotten so soft at the highest levels of leadership. Just look at our country. Look where we're at. Okay? We're extremely soft, right? Uh, You say one wrong thing, people cancel you, man. Hey, and when you just serve a volunteer coach at a public school in little old Florence, South Carolina, like they'll cancel you out real quick. If you become a problem, nothing against Florence one schools. I'm just saying in general, that's kind of like where we're at as a society. Um, You know, basically, you know, it's just, I remember that first season and it's just like, you got kids who aren't really in line with what your values are and the things that you want. I mean, coaching people underestimate how important middle school baseball is. Okay. Because. You're literally grooming kids for two years to be the future of your varsity baseball program. So, like, we want them doing all the little things right, culturally, uh, as people, as players. I mean, we want to set them up for success. And, like, I just remember thinking, like, the stuff that I'm having to deal with, the disrespect in the classroom, the mouths that these kids have, the things they were getting in trouble for, like, it, all that stuff was on the extreme end, man. Um, Like, and I was a bad kid, okay? But the stuff these kids were doing was like, like, I would have felt uncomfortable doing that stuff as a kid, and I didn't feel uncomfortable about nothing. Um, I remember being told how we could and couldn't punish kids, the things we could and couldn't say. The whole entire world felt like it was operating in fear. You know, what parent's gonna get mad next and cause it cause me to lose my job. Seriously. I mean that's that's what it came down to. I mean it it's like disappointing just thinking about it. But anyways, um that year was tough on me. Um we got through it though. Um, as we go into the solution to this problem, cause I'm talking about the challenge and the problem itself right now. Um, the thing that we have to put at the forefront of everything is these kids and there's, and they're all, they're great kids. So like, this isn't me complaining about the kids as much as it is me complaining about the adults who, the adults who made all this possible. Right. Um, these are our, this is our future, future teachers, leaders, future business owners, future whatever, okay, um, we are putting them in a position to fail, period, that's what we're doing right now, so, um, that was a lot of talking, I'm going to try to speed this up as we talk about a solution and the challenge, but, you know, so, we start talking about, okay so i identified this problem early on so we started thinking about what's the solution right and i always went back to the fact that of all the people i have in my life outside of my family um you know coach gray was a pretty significant person in my life okay but you know me and him had some pretty tough conversations when i played for him because again I was just a bad kid, you know, just did dumb stuff, um, made bad grades, you know. I I was the distraction that he didn't need, but, you know, he always had my back. I had to pay for it, but he had my back. But um, I held this guy in high regard. Still, to this day, I hold Kenny Gray in extremely high regard. Well, Richburg, I'm talking to you, pal, because I know you're busting my balls about that. That guy, keep him in high regard. High regard. Um, got a lot of respect for him, um, because for what he did for my life. But, uh, anyways, um, so I'm asking myself that question. I'm like, okay, so what's the answer? And, uh, it kind of just hit me like, okay, this is how we can start fixing this problem. So I never took it personal when I was getting reamed out by coach gray in high school. And I didn't take it personal because he had earned the right to have those conversations with me. Right. Because any conversation he was having with me was coming from a, a good place. Um, the things he said, they didn't hit me negatively. I, they they hit me like, hey, here's a dude who cares about you, uh, who's challenging you to be better. Uh, he's not a threat. I not mean, he's, he's a leader. He's a parent-like figure. He's got time invested in me, okay? I'm not just a guy that wears a jersey and tries to win baseball games for him. He treated me like somebody he cared a heck of a lot about he cared a heck of, yeah, yeah, I said that right. Um, He didn't just do that for me. He did that for everybody that played for him. I mean, you got these outliers here who got negative things to say about any coach, no matter how good they are. You know, and I'll be honest, most of those people, they end up being losers in life. Um, I see some of the, I'm going to get off on a tangent for a second. I see some of this stuff that people put on the internet sometimes, you know, about coaches in the area and stuff like that, and it's like, you people just don't have a clue. It's, it's disappointing. It's things like that when you see some of the negative things people say about other coaches, especially with stuff regarding playing time. It's like, good Lord, man. It, it's just disappointing. It's just, and we're at that time of the year where, like, you're going to start seeing a lot of that. Like, oh, this idiot coach, he's not playing my game. Anyways, we've talked about that before. I'm not going to get back on that. But anyway, so the solution to the problem, um, that we're facing as a society is we've got to earn the right to be able to have tough conversations that are going to help these kids raise the bar. Okay. You know, it takes intentional effort, uh, on our part as coaches, teachers, parents, everybody of positioning ourselves, not just with our best players, but with all of our players, all the kids we teach, all the kids we coach. Um, we just have to position ourselves, with all those kids that we get an opportunity to make an impact on as a person who views them more as more than what society has led them to believe they are. As we build rapport, break down barriers, uh, what we should see um, is young people beginning to feel compelled to meet a certain standard instead of feeling entitled to whatever it is they feel entitled to. Okay. When somebody is challenging you, Who has proven time and time again that they're just invested in you as a person, that they're not expecting anything in return other than you just to be the best version of yourself that you can be? People respond to that. You think about if you got a shit boss that you hate, you hate going to work every day. You hate going to work because you got a terrible boss. All right. You feel like you're doing everything right. Okay, that's a bad feeling. It's the same thing with kids. They show up every day and they get that from like everybody because instead of people trying to be solutions to the problem, they just are like, screw it. I'll just keep passing these kids on and passing these kids on and passing these kids on. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to lose my job, so I'm not going to check them when they act that way. I'm just going to ignore. That's the problem. That's the problem. Be invested. Be invested. Okay, your jobs to be a teacher, your jobs to be a parent, your jobs to be a coach. Like, be that positive role model because you might be the only positive role model they have in their life. You know, we need to be focusing on transformational relationships. I'm writing a book about this, by the way. Yes, I'm giving I'm giving it a go. Transformational coaching. Um, but we have to focus on transformational relationships instead of transactional relationships. And what we end up with is everyone in the situation feeling obligated to hold up their end of the deal because everyone now has equity in the relationship. Everyone brings value to the table instead of one person always giving something and the other person always taking, one person always expecting something, one person always looking at somebody saying, what are you going to do for me today, Uh, instead of everybody having equity in the game. I mean, you think about every meaningful relationship in your life. The people who motivate you, the people who challenge you, the people who make you better. They are always the people with the most invested in you, every single time. Uh, And most of the time, you have just as much invested in them. Um, And your relationship got to this point because of intentional, consistent effort on everyone's part to continue to raise the bar for each other. Okay, When someone stops carrying your weight, you check them on it. You challenge them to be better, and they respond because you're cons- you've consistently proven that you come from a place of love, and your only goal is to help them be better today than we were yesterday, and they don't want to let you down. That's what it comes down to. One of the people who had the biggest impact on me as a coach and buying into this was Rhodes Stickerson. Um, out, you know, just we had a kid that we'd had a lot of problems with over the course of, you know, pretty much their entire career at South Florence. And Coach Dickerson put a plan into action about, hey, maybe we're doing this the wrong way. Does that kid know we love him? Does he know we care about him? Hey, Hyman, when was the last time you asked that guy how his day was? Got to thinking about that, and I was like, you know, I got to start practicing what I preach, man, because in a lot of ways, I gave up on that kid. I'm embarrassed to say it today, you know, because I pride myself on being, you know, something more than X's and O's, right? And uh, he was right. He was right. Now, we still had some issues out of this kid, but that kid was a better version of himself. And as you look at that kid today, as he's a young adult, I can see where we had some type of positive impact on him um, because he's doing some things differently now as a young adult that he didn't do in high school. And, you know, again, that's Coach Rhodes tells those guys every day, love you. Get done reaming them. Hey, it ain't personal. I love you. Yeah. You know? And they respond to that. I mean, it, it, it's. I feel like the kids in our program know these guys love us and they care about us, and we don't want to let them down. And we don't want to let each other down because they love each other. Um, I can tell you this 2023 team we have this year, it's the best team, unit, that we've ever had. They may let me down. They may disappoint us in the end. But I can just tell you now, and we, haven't played a, we haven't played our first game yet, so I, I really probably shouldn't be putting this out into the – the atmosphere, I mean the universe, but that love we're talking about right now, um, that people motivating people, challenging people, trying to make people better, those dudes have it. And I feel like they have it because, number one, it's the type of kids they are, but every day they show up, they know that the, let's see, Gray, Allison, Hyman, Rhodes, Scott, Timo, uh... There's five, six of us, seven of us on the coaching staff, something like that. I know we love those guys. We're going to have tough conversations when they need to have it, but you know we're going to hold them accountable. And What I'm starting to see now with this group is they're actually starting to hold each other accountable and police that stuff themselves. So we're moving the right track, and I just totally got off on a tangent. Um, so I said that I was going to have a challenge for you, okay? And the challenge I have for everybody who read my article, the challenge I have for anybody who's reading this is, At the end of the day, it's real simple, okay? We've got to be a part of the solution and stop being a part of the problem. We've acknowledged we have a big problem on our hands, okay? But it's not going to get better until we put the focus that we need to put on working together to to raise the bar for the kids. If you're a parent, it starts with you, okay? If you're a parent, lean in. If you're a parent of a kid we coach, lean in. Because you need to listen to this. And we've got good parents, so I'm not trashing on the parents we have. But if you're one day going to have a kid who comes through our program, listen to this. Okay? Allow your children to be coached. Allow them to be taught in school. Allow them to be disciplined when they screw something up. And allow them, most importantly, to be held accountable. Okay? I'm not ever going to tell any of y'all how to raise your kids. I'm offering a suggestion right now. Um, but I've coached hundreds of kids in my lifetime now and the common theme between the ones who are working toward that are working towards something and those who are working down a bad path, um, came down to the parents, the parents who cared less about being their friends and more about making sure they ended up having the foundational character traits of productive and successful adults. Yeah, those kids were successful. Those kids had parents who took their phone when they screwed up. Okay. When they made bad grades, didn't show up at you know curfew time. Um they got in trouble. Yeah? They had parents who when they did something embarrassing, they let them experience the embarrassment and consequences that come with making bad decisions. Okay? That's just what it came down to. Um, You had parents who, those same parents, they made sure their kids, if they did make a bad decision that was going to have lifelong consequences, they would try to help them get out of that. But they would make sure that there was a price to be paid for it. It wasn't, you know, hey, (laughs) you just did this. I just paid $30,000 to get you out of it. Here's your car keys back. Go keep doing whatever it is that you want to do. No 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 i did something to keep that off your record so you could get a job one day and now you're going to pay the price for it right most successful kids I've coached they have parents who did that um and that's that's a that, that's a point i want to make a quick point on this just from saying that you know one of the most important things our children have to understand is that in the real world there are massive consequences to every bad decision we make. You drink and drive and kill somebody, your life's over for at least the next 20 or 30 years. Okay? You're going to prison. Uh, if you underperform at the job, you're fired. If you interview for a job and you're not the best person for it, you don't get it. These lessons are best learned from parents, okay? Teaching their kids this at an early age so the real world doesn't tell them. Because guess what? The real world doesn't care about your kids' emotions and their feelings. They're going to chew them up, spit them out, and if they come back for more, they're going to go ahead and swallow them this time. I mean, it's just the way it is. And my challenge to those parents is it starts with you. It starts under your roof at your house. If you let them skirt by giving 22% effort and applauding them every time they do it, Society's gonna continue facing an uphill battle uh trying to fix it because at the end of the day, we're gonna we're gonna slap a band-aid on it, and when they leave us, they're gonna go back to your house under your roof, and they're gonna continue to be half ass because you're not doing anything about it. Like anything we do positive, it gets undone. I've I've had kids in the past It's like, man, they would show up, they'd be doing so good. You know, then I'd have a two-minute conversation with their parent or hear their parents having a conversation with somebody, and you're like Good God! This kid isn't going to stand a chance because of what they go home to. Anyways, coaches, teachers, and everybody else, uh, you've been you've been operating in fear. I used to operate in fear. I don't care anymore. Okay, it doesn't matter to me. If the school district wants to take away my volunteer coaching title because I tried to make somebody a better man, that's cool. I would hope that the parents and the players that I've coached in life would have my back and the coaches on our staff. I know they would. Um, But, you know, we got to get out of this mindset we're in. We've just got to push. We have to continue to push forward and try to make a difference. We have to be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. You know, every time we operate in fear, we're being a part of the problem. Okay. We got to get out of this mindset uh, of I can't set standards. I can't hold them accountable because somebody's going to be coming for my job. The way you ensure nobody will ever be coming for your job is by earning the right to hold other people's children accountable. Period. Being a coach, being a teacher, administrator, whatever. That doesn't – don't mistake this. That doesn't give you instant access uh, to just hold people accountable. You know, It's something you have to earn through your actions. Through the time you invest in other people's kids, yeah, you know, does it entitle you to a level of respect instantly? It absolutely does, but that's the only thing that you're guaranteed in that process. Everything else comes from the effort you put into these kids. Uh, you know, if you put fifty five percent into them, don't ex- don't don't expect more than thirty five percent back. Okay, but when they show up and they see that you're giving hundred and twenty, they'll be able to give you a hundred. Um, the other thing I was just going to say is, you know, we've got to have standards, expectations, and consequences when our kids don't have hit the bar. We have to, we got to let them know that there's going to be consequences because um, that's how the real world works. Um, when a player's giving 50%, we got to challenge them to, we got to challenge them every time. We stay consistent, 50 becomes 60, 60 becomes 70, until we get to 100% um we got to be that change for them period uh because again i said this earlier we might be the only person in this young person's life that's you know trying to help them raise the bar and, and just one quick thing on consistency like we've got a kid in our program right now he's a senior and uh he would tell you this story and we got another one who's a junior or let's see he's a sophomore but the senior would – I've heard him tell this story before, and I had no idea at the time when he was a 7th and 8th grader when I was constantly drilling him about this, like, that it stuck with him. And he used to always be at the back of the line. I, you know, had a little more vinegar in my piss back then and, you know, whatever. But I i would just blast him from just I'd walking around the field like, you better find 100%, you know, you're – you're 70. You're 70%. It's not your, you know, you think that's your 100%. There's 30% more in a tank. I mean, just be blasting and blasting blasting. That dude gives is one of the best effort guys we have today. And it's not because of me. That's not what I'm saying. But I heard him telling somebody like a month ago, yeah, Coach Hyman used to be out here, and he's he helped me find that extra 30%. You know, It makes you feel good. Because, like, I could have just not said anything and – where would we be today? I I don't know. um, But that works. We got another one. He's a work in progress. Right now. He's a sophomore. I tell him all the time, hey, man, the only guy that's going to get in the way, of you being great, is that guy looking at you in the mirror. And it's a fact. Yeah. When that dude shows up and we allow him to give 70% and call it 100%, he's not good. But when he shows up and he's giving 70% and we challenge him to be 100%, he's real good. Good, good. Um, anyways, that was the only point I had about being consistent. So just last thoughts on this. Um. We, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a self-help podcast. Anyways, I'm trying to change the world. We got to be committed to raising the bar for y- our young people again. Um. Again, we all got to be working towards the same solution and not adding to the problem. This is the most important thing. If Because this relates to my life, and I know how hard it was to get out of the hole that I created for myself. If we allow life to get too hard, and every time it gets too hard, we adjust the standard or lower the threshold and move the goalposts or widen home plate, young people are never going to get an opportunity to experience the quality of life that the majority of us have right now. Okay, We all were raised in different times. Okay, we are raised in an era and a time, and, and I really wasn't raised in that era. I'm like, the parents and, you know, people like that that are listening to this, you were raised in an era where, like, you better bring it every day, man, because somebody's coming to take your dag on lunch, like, in the workforce, in school, it didn't matter, okay? So, the quality of life a lot of y'all have is because of, you know, what you do every day, because of your commitment to yourself and your family and everything else. So our kids don't know that. We got to help them see that. We got to help them understand that there's a whole world for the taking in front of them right now if they'll just go put the effort in. Uh, But anyways, be intentional uh, in building those relationships. Be intentional and upholding your standards, and together we can set a new bar for for our young people, man. It's that simple. Got to do it, though. Got to take action. We can't talk about it. We just got to do it. So that's all I got. As always, thank you for listening. How how long have I been talking? Forty-three minutes. Okay. That was, you know, a little bit, a little long winded again. Um, but let me know what you think. Feedbacks, welcome. Please, if you have Twitter, give me a follow. Brandon M. Hyman. Um subscribe to my Substack, please. I've only got 39 followers. I'm trying to get that thing up a little bit. I promise I'm trying to get the articles down under 1200 uh, characters. So it'll say like, please enjoy this five minute read instead of this 27 minute read. I get it. I know it's frustrating. You're busy. That's why I'm doing the audio portion though. Cause maybe some of you like listening. I don't know. I haven't got the report yet to see if this has even been listened to. Um, but anyways, thank you for all the feedback. Thanks for all the support. Please continue to support, like tweet, retweet, subscribe, whatever. Um, trying to think of my next topic. I, about time for me to write a new article, new uh new podcast. So I'll be kind of thinking about that. It's gotta be something I feel positive and strong about. So um start our J V season on Friday, Friday and Saturday. Got a big uh game against West Florence on Saturday. Come out to the ballpark, one o'clock. Uh varsity kicks it off Monday with a uh away game against Andrews. Next week we got like five games. It's gonna be fun. Um but yeah. Opening day is almost here, and I am jacked up. So, all right, appreciate everybody. Hope everybody has a great night. And until next time, be cool. See ya.